Clara Oswald and the Enchanted Forest by Jasbinda Billen Morning sunshine burst through the window as Clara grabbed her phone from the bedside table. Things had been tough lately. She couldn't do a thing right as far as her mum was concerned. They'd been rowing about the tiniest little detail. She tapped out a reply to her best friend, Ashari. Need to persuade Mum to let me sleep over. Shouldn't be hard. Clara couldn't wait for this Halloween party. Not just because Ashari had persuaded Jem to come, but he was just the loveliest, most thoughtful boy in year ten. And pretty cool, too. He had dark hair, which he wore swept off his beautiful golden face. Clara looked at herself in the mirror and blew her brown fringe off her own face. Hi, Jem, she practised. Fancy seeing you here. They had a few classes together, but they didn't know each other too well. But what Clara did know was that every time she saw him, her legs turned to jelly. The party would be a chance for them to hang out together. Clara's phone pinged with another message from Ashari. Bring your party clothes to mine for seven. Mum's going to drive us. Clara! Her mum called up the stairs. You've left the kitchen in a right mess from last night. Clara went out onto the landing. Keep your hair on, mum. It's not that bad. Get down here now. Here we go again. Clara sidled down the stairs. Don't talk to me like that warned her mum, walking back into the kitchen. She sat down at the table and began reading through some work notes. She glanced at Clara, who was still standing in the doorway. Sorry! Clara didn't mean to annoy her mum, today of all days. She was meant to be persuading her to let her sleep over at Ashari's tonight. I'll do it now, she said as she began loading the dishwasher. Mum? Yes? She carried on reading her notes. You know this party I'm going to tonight? She looked up, a frown grazing her forehead. I didn't know you were going to a party. Clara felt her cheeks turn hot. I told you last week it's a Halloween party and everyone's sleeping over. Well, not you. You never let me do anything. Oh, please. I'm nearly 15. I've said no. It's final, Clara. I don't want you sleeping over, especially on Halloween. People do all sorts of things on nights like that. What sort of things? Like some blood-sucking vampire digging his teeth into my neck. Clara's words dripped with sarcasm. You can go for a couple of hours and your dad'll pick you up before things get silly. Oh, Mom, please. Hot tears stung Clara's cheeks. I'm sorry, Clara. It's for the best. Clara slammed the door and thumped up the stairs to her bedroom. She wanted to show her mum just how upset she was. Picking up her book, the one her mum had read to her every night when she was little, Clara opened the window. Her mum thundered up the stairs after her and stood in the doorway. I'm not changing my mind, it's final. Clara held the book in front of her mum and turned the pages until she found the leaf that had brought her parents together all those years ago. It might seem silly, but this leaf was the most important thing to Clara's family, and to Clara. She picked it out of the book and held it in her trembling hand, and as her mum's eyes widened in shock, Clara, 
let the precious thing fly out of the open window into the air. They both watched as the wind caught the leaf, lifted it into the sky and blew it away. Clara, it was her mum's turn to cry now. Clara, how could you? Her mum ran down the stairs, opened the kitchen door and stared into the sky. But the treasured leaf had vanished. Clara stuffed her party gear into a bag and slammed out of the house. After school had finished, Clara and Ashari picked up some chips, then headed over to Ashari's house. But in the back of her mind, Clara knew that throwing the leaf out of the window had been a step too far. And it was too late now. She pushed the sad feelings away and thought about Jem instead. He's definitely coming, isn't he? she asked. I told him he had to, otherwise he'd have me to answer to. <laughs> Ashari laughed, pushing her fingers through her short purple-tipped hair. She slotted her key into the front door and shoved it open. Quick, let's get upstairs before Dad starts at us. Is that you, Ashari? She popped her head into the sitting room. Yeah, Dad, <laughs> Clara's here. We're going to get ready for Sachin's party. Clara followed Ashari to her bedroom. They put on music and started to get ready. Clara pulled out her crumpled dress from the rucksack. She was going for a gothic vampire look, so the creases added to her character. Clara wriggled into the black sparkly dress and holy tights and pushed her feet into Red Doc Martins. Ashari whistled. Here, oh, let me do your makeup. She carefully loaded the blood red lipstick onto Clara's lips and went heavy with the black eyeliner. I'm going for vampire beauty, said Clara. Not Cruella de Vil. Oh, make it look cool. Ashari's mum drove them to the gates of the party. The house was at the far edge of town, where the verges were wide and leafy, and the houses had vast rambling gardens. It was dark already, and the yellow moon poked out through the shadow shimmer of the clouds. Are you sure you'll be okay? asked Ashari's mum. I can take you right in if you like. No, Mum, Ashari rolled her eyes. He is fine. Clara glanced at her phone. Clara, let me know where you are. I love you, Mum. Kiss. Her finger hovered over the text, but instead of replying, Clara ignored her Mum's message and shoved the phone away. As Clara and Ashari made their way down the winding driveway, the house, strung with ghoulish bat lights, glowed ahead of them. Clara felt a sudden shiver prickle along her spine and imagined shadows hiding between the darkened branches. When they arrived at the front door, a pumpkin screamed silently at them with its menacing mouth. They followed a party sign, gripped in a skeletal hand, round to a brick barn deeper inside the garden. Clara knocked on the door and music thumped out into the night as the door opened and they were swallowed into the belly of the party. It was heaving inside the barn. Clara and Ashari pushed their way through the dancing bodies, dressed in all sorts of costumes, and grabbed themselves cokes from the table laden with scary-faced mini-pizzas, sausage rolls and bowls of crisps. Look, there's Jim. Ashari caught hold of Clara's hand and dragged her across to him. He was dressed as a vampire too, with white, dusty makeup and a line of blood dripping from his lips. 
His hair was gelled back, except for the strand that flopped over his eyes, as usual. Hello, said Clara shyly. Hi, replied Jem, clearing his throat. The three of them danced together, taking breaks for food and drink, until someone suggested a game of hide-and-seek in the woods at the back of the house. Come on, a voice cried, if you're brave enough. It's really dark out there, said Clara. You're not scared, are you? laughed Jem. What could happen? He's right, agreed Ashari. The woods aren't big, only a few trees, really. Before she could think any more about it, Clara was being led out of the barn into the darkness. The forest, to Clara, it was more of a forest than a wood, was filled with shifting shadows. Huge branches towered over them, high-pitched chattering sounds echoing to and fro. Clara could still see the house from here, the hazy lights twinkling in the near distance. Right, let's play, someone cried, their voice faint among the crowded trees. You're it, Clara. Will you be okay by yourself? asked Ashari. Course, replied Clara, trying to sound braver than she felt. Sure? Clara was already scared. She hated being alone, but she couldn't lose face, especially not in front of Jem. Yeah, go. I'm counting. Jem and Ashari ran to join the dancing group from the barn, their laughter mingling with the low hoots of owls and another strange sound, the cracking of tree roots. Clara finished counting to a hundred and opened her eyes. The lonely thumb of her heartbeat pounded in her ears as she swallowed and peered through the thick, dark forest. The trees loomed around Clara, closing in, the gnarled roots ready to trip her up. Shapes flitted around the forest floor and dreamlike sounds spun their way to her as she tried to push down the fear. She thought she heard shouts and raced off in their direction until she was in the middle of a clearing, the bright moon beating down on her. But there was nobody here. She let out a small cry. Where's the house? Shivers bumped up her spine. All the trees looked the same. The awful truth thumped at her belly. She was already lost. A sudden memory of the time she got lost on Blackpool Beach brought tears to her eyes. But her mum had found her. Mum had said she'd always find her, even if she was on the moon. She made Clara feel so safe. Clara remembered the touch of her palm against her mum's and suddenly wished her mum was here now. She'd know exactly what to do. Clara wiped her cheek on her sleeve and told herself to grow up. Her mum was back at home. Anyway... Clara didn't know she'd ever forgive her for losing the precious leaf. She stared out towards the trees again, their ridged bark running up the trunks in furrows, their gangly branches sharp against the moonlight. A strange, cracking sound froze Clara to the spot. They were moving. She forced herself to stop being melodramatic. Trees didn't move. She blinked, then rubbed her eyes but she was convinced now that the trees really were creeping towards her. As they got closer, she saw sneering faces on the bark and her chest tightened. With each crack of their roots, they moved towards Clara. Should she make a run for it, ducking under their branches? 
What if they caught her? Blood pumped fast around her body, and she made tight fists, trying to calm herself. But each moment she did nothing, the trees were crowding in. Clara felt a long, spiky arm grab hold of her, and roots tangle round her legs. She felt paralyzed. She screamed and made a grab for the lower branches of the closest tree, the only one that wasn't moving and wasn't part of this terrifying herd surrounding her. Clara tried to climb up. Just above her head, she saw a hollow in the tree, lit by moonlight, and slotted her hand in. Using all her strength, she thrashed and wriggled herself free of the grappling, grasping roots of the moving trees. But they came for her again with their writhing tentacles and tried to trap her once more, whipping their roots along the length of the trunk, using them like ropes to haul themselves up. Panting for breath, she stretched up, desperate to get away, and continued to climb towards the moon, diving between the upper branches. But the cracking below was louder and more furious with each step Clara took. She didn't dare look back and stared ahead instead, her arms trembling as she hoisted herself higher and higher, as if she was climbing up to the stars. She gasped. Before her, suspended in the sky, was a blue box, a bit like a phone box, but wooden and with a light on top. It was just there, above the forest, in a wave of shimmering white mist. The door was flung open and yellow light shone out from it. What was this? Balancing at the very top of the tree, Clara felt a crooked branch grab for her. It grazed her foot and she screamed. What should she do? A tendril began to snake around her ankle. Clara sensed curious eyes watching her from above through the canopy of autumn leaves. The blue box seemed to manoeuvre closer, as if it was shifting to help Clara escape the trees. She shook off the branch and leapt into the open box, gripping the doorframe. Trembling, she hauled herself away from the trees and into the unknown. Who are you? Clara asked in disbelief, staring at a rather startled-looking man in a fancy red bow tie and tweed jacket. She swallowed. Oh, um, hello, I'm the doctor. Her mum had always told her not to speak to strange men, and yet here she was. She couldn't help herself, though. It was as if she'd met him before. His big smile and wide eyes seemed so familiar. Doctor who? Correct. Now, come in if you're coming, he said, adjusting his bow tie. I'm in the middle of something very clever and fiddly. He began to poke at a few buttons on the old-fashioned typewriter which made up part of the elaborate controls in front of him, and the door closed. I, I was being chased by trees. Clara felt a little silly now. Ah, yes, nasty, grabby trees, big nuisance, he stared into the controls and his face lit up. I think those trees might be dormant life forms from another planet. Clara put her hand over her mouth to stop the giggles. <laughs> do, do you mean aliens? <laughs> she said, laughing. Suddenly, all the fear from earlier flew away. I'm glad you've cheered up, and yes, aliens, I suppose. I've an idea they were feeding off you somehow, off your uncertainty. He looked closely at Clara. Hmm. 
She took a step back from him and stared around for the first time, properly taking in the room. She felt a sudden tug of nerves. But the police box, it, it looks so small on the outside. How can it be so incredible on the inside? The man laughed. Ah, magic! He waved his hands mysteriously. <laughs> Not really, just a nifty bit of science with a big dollop of imagination. Welcome to the TARDIS. Now, where do you want to go? Actually, no, first things first, what's your name? He looked directly at her again. Clara reddened. She hesitated, then held out her hand to the doctor. It's Clara. Clara Oswald. Uh, pleased to meet you. He crinkled his brow, thinking, Clara Oswald? Uh, no. I mean, not meant to happen now. Uh, got my dates muddled, just wanted to check on you. Should have known it would backfire. Clara felt her heart thump. You're not making any sense. Sorry, forget all that. Pleased to meet you, Clara Oswald, the, uh, vampire? Clara had forgotten about her outfit, and she blushed again. The evening was getting weirder by the minute. Suddenly, the phone box lurched to one side. Clara managed to glimpse out of the window as she was thrown towards the doors. Her friends were still down there, calling out to her. The forest was alive around them. The trees were staring up with menacing eyes, clawing at the sky. But it was as though her friends couldn't see the trees, like the only person they wanted was Clara. Then the phone box lurched again, and the cracking sound of roots being sucked out of the earth became fainter and fainter. With flying away. Please take me back to my friends. I'm doing my best, said the doctor, yanking at various controls in a flurry of motion. But the TARDIS doesn't always want to do what she's told. He grinned at her. The TARDIS suddenly began to spin wildly, flinging both Clara and the doctor against the walls. They whirred through the sky as Clara scrambled back to the window, panic gripping her chest. Outside, stars spun past her at flicker speed, and Clara felt like she was drifting further away from everything she knew. She closed her eyes and tried to stop her stomach from turning somersaults. After what seemed like an eternity, but was really only seconds, they finally came to a shuddering stop. They had landed back in the forest. The door opened, and Clara ran out. Oh, my stars! We're back! And the trees are normal again, she cried. The air was fresh and filled with rich scents of ancient woodland. Leaves trodden underfoot, fresh shoots and apple blossom. Clara couldn't see her friends anywhere. But that didn't matter. She was back. She continued towards some moss-coated trees with leaves as wide as palms. Clara, called the doctor. Come back, I, I think I might have got my landing a bit off. It's, it's not the same forest. But Clara didn't hear. She was caught in the spell of this place. Above her, a halo of stars shot against the indigo night, and the bright silver moon hung like a delicate fingernail in the sky. In the far-off distance, the peaks of snow-capped mountains rose as tall as giants. It was like she was always meant to find this place. She knew this wasn't where she'd left Jem and Ashari, but there was something so familiar and safe about it. She didn't feel frightened, but stepped with wonder through the moon-dappled trees. They were the complete opposite of the ones in the other forest. They welcomed her with warm and loving energy, as if she belonged. 
She spotted a shadow ahead and, without quite knowing why, hurried forward, trying to catch up with it. Clara, wait, she heard the doctor calling behind her. Oh, I can't keep up. Tweed jackets and pointy branches don't combine well. Ah, ow, ooh, ah, ah, I'm stuck. But Clara was already too enchanted to listen. The white wolf sat waiting for Clara, its fur silky and fine, its ears alert, listening to the forest hum. It was tucked into the shadow of a grand tree, and when it saw Clara, it blinked deep hazel eyes, rimmed green and leaf brown. Clara paused, fear suddenly shooting through her, but the wolf sat still and fixed her again with its eyes like autumn leaves. She felt a familiar tug at her heart and sprinted towards the wolf, throwing her arms around the white body. This was a mother wolf. Clara somehow knew, and she felt her gentle heartbeat against her own. It made no sense, but it was as if they'd known each other Clara's whole life. Rising up, the she-wolf led Clara further into the forest, and together they disappeared into this new world. The wolf showed Clara a huge hollow tree beside a fast-flowing river, just as the first flakes of winter snow began to fall. The wolf padded across the hollow and rested on a thick bed of fallen leaves. Clara joined her and placed her head against the comfort of the she-wolf's fur. A memory from long ago wended its way to Clara. She remembered being wrapped safely in a blanket beside her mum, a mum's voice telling Clara that she would always protect her, no matter what. An unexpected tear froze on Clara's cheek, and then the memory, like a precious diamond, tinkled to the ground. When Clara looked into the sky, the moon appeared again from between the clouds, lighting up a scooped-out hole in the gnarled branch above her head. She stood on tiptoe and pressed her fingers into the hole. There she found something, something worn smooth by loving hands. It's the leaf, she cried, unbelieving. Mum and Dad's leaf. She couldn't explain it. She couldn't explain any of this. But she'd found the leaf again, and that was a miracle. Once she got home, she'd make it up to her mum. She knew this with certainty, though she couldn't explain why. Clara tucked the leaf safely in her pocket and turned to face the she-wolf again. She was bent over the water that ran smooth and river green past the hollow tree. It was still snowing, and everything was painted an ethereal white. Clara went to join the she-wolf at the river's edge, and together they stared into the water into their past lives and their future ones. Looking into the river as it swept across the stones, Clara sent something else. The doctor, somehow, in her future. But the thought drifted away under the icy water on its way to a distant sea. None of it mattered. She let her body fill with a happiness that she'd never really felt before. She knew that whatever happened, everything would be okay. She'd return the leaf and make everything right with her mum. The she-wolf nudged Clara's hand open, and on the sloping banks of the river, she dropped something into Clara's outstretched palm. 
Clara stared at the piece of bright amber lit by moonlight. It was incredible. Perfectly preserved inside was the most delicate feather. She was so enthralled with the amber that she didn't see the she-wolf leave. But when she lifted her head to the hollow tree, it was empty. She felt her heart patter. A fierce howl echoed through the forest, and the word trust sprang into Clara's mind. Her she-wolf must have been as silent as a shadow. Clara saw fresh paw prints marking the snow and hurried to follow. She heard the howl again, and ahead of her she saw the she-wolf raised on her hind legs, facing a snarling, saber-toothed tiger. The tiger was bigger than the she-wolf, with bronze mottled fur and two immense dripping canines. It towered above the smaller creature. Fear snapped at Clara as the tiger pounced at the wolf, batting her to the ground with its powerful paw. The tiger suddenly turned as it spotted Clara and made to attack. But the she-wolf was between them in a heartbeat. She grew fiercer, her eyes full of fire as she leapt at the saber-tooth. Clara took out the leaf from her pocket and with shaking hands held it up to the incredible tiger. If the leaf had brought her parents together, maybe it really did have magical powers. The saber-tooth shrank back, turned and miraculously retreated towards the mountains. Oh, my stars, she murmured, her heart fluttering like a trapped butterfly. She put the leaf back into her pocket. The she-wolf led Clara back to the hollow tree and they rested by the river until a yellow haze filled the whole forest. In the near distance, she saw a shape fading in and out of existence, lit golden by the glow. A wheezing, grinding noise floated across the glade. Something was arriving. Clara had to shield her eyes as a blue brightness shone out of the object like a thousand suns. It's that fox again, said Clara. And the doctor! The spell was broken. Clara buried her head into the she-wolf's fur. Until the next time, she whispered. The strange doctor man who had brought her here was waiting in the entrance of the open TARDIS. He was smiling softly. I won't ask what happened here, if you don't want to tell me, he said very gently. But I have got the TARDIS working again. <laughs> want to lift? This was amazing. Clara held out her hand and felt a spark pass through it as the doctor hauled her back inside the glowing TARDIS. I'm glad I found you again, he said, a twinkle in his eye. I thought I'd lost you. I had an adventure, said Clara. It was strange, but wonderful. And I found this. Clara fished the autumn leaf from deep inside her pocket. It's very special. You won't believe me, but it's the exact same leaf that brought my parents together. You'd be surprised by the things I believe, Clara Oswald. I'm so glad I found it. I had a row with Mum this morning and threw it out of the window. The doctor looked sad suddenly. He straightened his bow tie and cleared his throat. Well, that sounds like quite a leaf. Keep it safe from now on. You never know when it might come in handy. Definitely, 
Clara put the leaf back in her pocket. And I met a she-wolf. She gave me this. She held out the bright piece of amber. I think it's maybe thousands of years old. Let me see. The doctor examined it with a magnifying glass he produced from the inside pocket of his tweed jacket. Correction. Millions of years old. <laughs> okay, clever clogs. What sort of bird is the feather from? Not a bird, he tapped his head. A dinosaur. What? cried Clara, looking over the doctor's shoulder. This dinosaur would have lived millions of years ago, long time before you, Clara. It was the size of a small bird. The feather probably got trapped in the tree resin while it was searching for grubs. This ancient piece of tree resin that had survived millions of years, maybe the she-wolf just thought it was a beautiful object. But maybe, just maybe, she was trying to give Clara an important message. That some things are fleeting, but some leave their mark forever, ancient and indestructible. It was a reminder of the infinity of life. Okay, Clara smiled. Can I have it back now? I'm going to have it made into a necklace. Good idea. Uh, don't get too attached to it, though. You might lose it. I won't lose it. Just saying, you might. You never know. And anyway, it's okay. We have to let some things go. Clara frowned. Where shall we go, then? the doctor asked quickly before pushing his hands through his floppy hair like he suddenly regretted asking the question. He returned to the panel of switches and busied himself turning them on and off. In a daze, Clara leaned against the wall. Is there a kitchen in here? Oh, I'd love a cup of tea. Of course, I can't have a spaceship without a kitchen. Mine's milk, two sugars, please. He looked at her again with that searching gaze. I want to go home, Clara finally said, smiling. I can't wait to show Mum I found her leaf. She'll be so happy. As she felt the box lurch once again, sending them into flight, Clara stared in disbelief at how huge the inside of it was. She became wrapped up in its magic once more, all thoughts of tea forgotten. She felt them spin across the skies, away from the enchanted forest, hurtling through space, until at last it was back in the hide-and-seek woods. The doctor brought the ship to a standstill in the same spot where Clara had started to count to a hundred. She suddenly remembered her friends. They must be so worried. While she'd been off having an adventure, they'd probably been searching the woods looking for her. She sprang to the door and pushed it open. Thanks for the ride, she called. Nice to meet you again, Clara Oswald. The doctor gave her a mysterious look, sort of sad and happy at the same time. Now, Clara, listen. As she stopped and faced the doctor, Clara felt that strange sensation again, that she knew this man somehow. So, we have met before. This is going to sound weird. We'll meet again in the future and have so many adventures, I promise. But for now, I need you to forget. What? He placed a hand on Clara's temple, ever so gently. You won't recall any of this trip. You'll forget you ever met me. Clara felt like she was falling into a dream, a buzzing sound travelling through her body and brain. When she opened her eyes, 
She was in the woods beside a huge oak tree, its branches towering above her into the night sky. Come on, Clara. It was Jem. What took you so long? We all got tired of waiting. I came to find you instead. Clara smiled. Where did you get to? said Ashari, appearing from between the trees. Clara rubbed her eyes and yawned. Oh, I don't know what happened. Oh, I must have fallen asleep. In a daze, her fingers found the leaf and amber nestled in her pocket. For a fleeting moment, she remembered something. And then, like the best dreams, it flew away into the stars.